classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florian will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome to the Great Metal Debate. We're glad you're here with us this week. We have an action-packed podcast for you. My name is Brian. I want to welcome you, and I want to also welcome my friend, Gomfog. Gomfog, how you doing this week? Brian, I'm doing great. We have a number of topics. I'm hoping we get through at least one of them. We might get through one of them. Depends on how bad I'm kicking your ass. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that, man. All right. Well, let's, let's just dive in, man. I want to ask you a question, Gomfog. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I really want to dig into it. Does a metal band have to have an image? Do they have to portray to you a certain attitude, belief, style, or genre? What do you think? Well, that's a lot of different things. Attitude, style, belief, and genre are all different things. That's a constellation of different ideas. I'm not sure I can address all of those. But, I mean, if you're just asking about image and attitude... My short answer is yes. I mean, the image and attitude do matter, and they do distinguish whether a band is metal or not. So you think a metal band does have a certain image that they have to portray. Is it not just about the music for you? I would say that the music and the attitude are linked. Dude, I I wish that I was the guy that edited, because I could go back to a a time when I specifically remember you saying, oh man, I don't watch video, all I do is just listen to the music. So you get the image from just the music, is that what you're telling me? The answer to that is yes, and I'll go back to my acronym that describes what metal is, my definition of metal, M-E-T-A-L. I wish I'd never heard that stupid-ass acronym. Tell us what it's M-E-T-A-L. M, majestic sound. E, extreme vocals. T, terrible notes. A, allegiance to the Dark Lord. (laughs) And L, lyrical darkness. One of the elements of that is majestic sound. Metal is big. It's bombastic. As part of that, it's not ironic. There's no sense of... Well, we're portraying something on one hand, but then kind of making a joke of it on the other hand. Dude, irony is not making fun of something. Irony often makes a statement. A a band can portray themselves as crazy partying sex machine Satanists and dress in a, a a completely different style, and that in itself makes a statement about what they're trying to say. Brian, there are so many bands... And, you know, I went to college during the late 80s and early 90s when alternative bands ruled. And a lot of that style relied on the irony. You know, bands that would play a certain way, maybe very fast and very loud, but who would have an image that was the contrast of that. And they were making an ironic statement. 
Or they might dress up crazy and sound very plain. Again, an ironic statement. Metal doesn't do that. Metal on the surface tries to make a very straightforward statement. I couldn't disagree more. Metal doesn't have to make a certain statement. It has to sound like metal. It has to have the attitude of metal, and it has to have the image of metal only in the fact that they're trying to portray that certain attitude. The attitude must be matched by the image in whatever form it takes. Irony is not necessarily limited to grunge. I can't believe you were just giving it away to the grunge folks. Those people suck. No. And there were bands in the 90, or late 80s and early 90s that fought their way through that kind of crap, like Cage, uh, like uh, Anthrax, like Maiden, like pre some of the classics, and they stayed the test of time. They kept their image, but they didn't necessarily have to live up to a certain standard of that image. But they weren't ironic. You had the example, Brian, yeah. of the band Behemoth. Yes. Could they come onto an immaculately white stage in three-piece suits yes. and then play the music the same way? Would it be the same thing? The answer is no, because they would be making a statement by doing those two things that contrast one another, and it would be an ironic statement. So, But could there be a band similar to Behemoth that comes on stage plays the sound of the dark metal, but has the image of the three-piece suit. I would appreciate that irony myself. Do they have it's to? Not ha a, it's not a metal statement. That's not the question. Do they have to have an image? And I think the answer is yes. I just don't think that that image is limited to a particular thing. I would tell you, Brian, that if a band like Behemoth sounded like Behemoth, but visually portrayed themselves in, in that way, that's a complete contrast, to make an ironic statement, that's not metal. And I think the only thing that would be different about that, Gomfog, is that they would have a completely different set of fans. It's the fans who have to have the image of metal, not the band. Let me, let me add another question to this. You have bands that have satanic imagery, like Demir Borgir, the, the sacrilegious scorn, uh, the band where they're the ones casting lots for Jesus' clothes. That's a particular image that they want to portray. And it's certainly different from the party image of the band, say, like Steel Panther. I consider both of those metal bands. You know, there's sexual imagery, there's drug imagery, and all this ties into the fact that you have all these different metal fans appreciating different metal images. It's the fans that appreciate the image. It's the band that plays their metal music. I would take those different images that you have right. described... Right and just say, those fit with the L in metal, lyrical darkness. Metal is about the dark side of life. Sadness, suffering, bitterness, evil are essential to metal. So to the extent that those elements are present in the metal narrative, then it is metal. No, that, that's the imagery you pick for metal, dude. I, I don't associate just those things with metal. Not by, I mean, I think there's a place there's a for that kind of imagery in metal, but I don't think that's by far the only imagery in metal. Metal doesn't have to be dark to be metal. So <laughs> give me an example of a metal band that doesn't utilize dark lyrical imagery. That doesn't utilize, I would say that Priest has songs that doesn't utilize dark lyrical imagery. Things like uh, You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise. Things like Living After Midnight. Things like United. I would say that those are certainly metal songs. I don't think that's dark imagery. Well, we've talked about Living After Midnight, a song that Priest themselves has said is a hard rock song, not a metal song. So, you know, I'll, I'll dispense with that one right there. No, you can dispense with that, but I would argue with Priest about that. <laughs> well, 
that's fine. I mean, I, to me, living after midnight is no different than I Want to Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss. Those are hard rock songs. I don't know what you think about those songs. Make them metal. Of course, we, then we get into the definition of, you know, what's my definition of metal? And, and that's completely different than yours. And, and, and I'm okay that, you know, there are bands that, that don't fit my definition of metal. But the imagery that's involved is not dark. Listen, let me ask you another question. I want to add another element to this. Uh, how important is a music video to the imagery of a band? You know, to me, it's an aspect that I love. I, I think I can accurately say that you don't like that aspect of it, right? I wouldn't say that I don't like it, but to me, that's not an important element. Okay. I want to go back to a, a song I mentioned earlier, The Sacrilegious Scorn. In the video, the bands were the ones casting locks for Jesus' clothes. That is portraying a particular image, which attracts a particular fan. And they would attract different fans if they had a different image. But there again, that's the fans looking for that image. That's not the band portraying an image of metal. It's a portraying a particular style of metal. Metal is metal, regardless of your fans. Okay. Yeah, that didn't make much <laughs> Is there a question in there? Yeah, that didn't make I don't know what the hell you're either. saying, dude. Well... Do you like a particular image from your band if you're looking at a video? I mean, and does that video aid in the image of the band? It is an extra way to impart imagery from the band, but it's not something that, to me, is really that important. The most important thing is the album artwork. I would say that those two are actually more similar than you would give them credit for, because you're not going to have album artwork that has satanic imagery and then make videos that are party imagery, they're going to stick to that particular image. Does a metal band have to have an image? I don't think they necessarily do have to have an image. I think that they need to stick to the image that they start with and the one that they want to portray. I mean, I think... I, to I, I couldn't disagree more, Brian. So you're, you're saying that a band starts with a certain look. Let's say the band is founded in, I don't know, way back in... Uh, 2003, and you're saying they should have that identical imagery all the way now in uh, 2014. I say that there are very few bands that started in 1983 that changed their image in 2014. They stick with the image that got them to the dance. For example, Motley Crue. I consider that metal in 1983, whether you do or not. They have that same image of today. Black Sabbath. Back in 1970, they kind of have that same image. They create an image, it works for them, and they stick with it. Could Sabbath come out on stage and be a Christian metal band? I don't know if it would work, but I think a metal band does have to have an image, and I think they need to stick to that image. I don't agree with that. I, I want a band to create the image that fits with the music that they're creating, and if the band... I mean, unless the band is just regurgitating the same tired crap over and over again, the music is going to be changing somewhat, and thus the imagery will probably change as well. I would agree that there are very few bands that can pull off the same sound over and over again. <laughs> pull, pull that off. Regurgitating the same thing, you would call pulling it off. I would call that lazy, tired, 
sad if if a band is just generating the same album over and over again. That's a, that to me is a sad statement for a band. Yeah, I would say one of the most successful bands in the world with fans that span the test of time, the all-time greatest band on the planet, ACDC has pulled it off since the 70s. They have fans that are of different ages, different genres, different images that they accept and yet somehow they pull off that sound over and over again, and it's loved no matter when or where it comes out. I think that's proof that your definition of what a band ought to be isn't necessarily the always accepted definition. I'm talking about metal, Brian. I'm not talking about pop music. And certainly the band you're talking about has really got down what it takes to provide popular music that works for, you know, Radio Airplay. You popularize my ass, man. I can't believe that you cannot accept the fact that when ACDC was popular in the 80s, when Highway to Hell and Back in Black came out, they were considered metal. I don't give a one shit of the if most, you don't agree I mean, with that. that's one of the biggest selling albums of all time. It's it's as pop. I mean, it's the definition okay. of pop okay. music. Demir Borgir, and I've, I'm sticking to this band because I study them quite a bit for this image question. They're very popular. Do you think because they're popular that they're pop music also? I, I mean, I'll say to sell over a million albums, does that's a rare feat. I'm skeptical of bands that sell more than a million albums. That is the most ludicrous argument you've made so far on the podcast, that because you're popular, you're not metal. Metal is not a popular uh, musical style. That is, uh, are you freaking kidding me? Are you serious? That cannot be your argument. No, it's, ter- it's certainly my argument. billions of dollars in albums sold, and you say because you're popular, you can't necessarily be considered metal. One, I'm not sure where you're getting this billions of dollars figure. I mean, maybe back well, in the 80s. Well, not according to your definition of metal, of- but according to the millions of people who listen to it, I, I think I'm safe. I don't think you're safe in that claim because, again, I think you're locked back in the 80s where you think that Bands make money selling albums. Bands don't make any money selling albums. I think that you have done the classic uh, support your strong religious opinions with your facts. You look at bands like Zandria and Epica, who are pretty good sellers across the world, but they're not like some of the mega metal names. And because of that, because you like them, you call into question the other bands who are considered to be metal by literally millions of people all over this planet. Yeah, this will go back to our argument about uh, Guns N' Roses. My uh, buddy in college, who I drove out to the mall to wait in line for the Guns N' Roses uh, album to be released, and he was a huge Guns N' Roses fan, he would not have described himself as a metal fan. All right, I think we can safely say that we disagree on image. So, Brian... Last podcast, we had a discussion about festivals, and you called into question whether cross-genre concerts were a good idea. Yes. At that time, Judas Priest had announced uh, their first North American date in over four years, appearing at the Fun 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 Fest in Austin, Texas. Since that time, Priest is going to appear in Kentucky at a uh, new festival, the Louder Than Life Festival. They're going to be part of a lineup of bands, Almost all of which, Brian, I have zero interest in seeing. When you brought this topic up, I thought it was an interesting topic. I like the idea that we continue to discuss it. Um, There are some great bands there. 
There's a variety of metal and sort of alternative genres. And, and honestly, some of the bands I don't know. And so I would have no interest in seeing them. But here's kind of the question, I think. Are these sort of multi-genre uh, concerts, are, are they a good thing? I mean, you know, is it worth it to you? I don't like it at all. Yeah. But from a promoter's point of view, it's a great deal. I mean, I'm looking at a list of 15 bands that are performing that day. I only like two, and yet, because Priest, my favorite band, is on the bill, there's no question. I'm plopping down my 60-plus bucks. You know, here's the interesting part of that, and I think it reflects greatly on the great metal debate. There are a multitude of bands on both of those days that I would enjoy greatly because my definition of metal is not so tight-ass. You have to learn to enjoy the different sounds that come with metal. Otherwise, you're limited to listening to 15 freaking bands. It's amazing to me that you have that critique. We've talked about doing our podcast where we talk about our top 50 bands. Brian, I've got a list of 400 metal bands that contend for my place in the top 50. And 400 bands. I, I don't have a shortage of bands to listen to according to my, as you term it, limited definition. And yet only two of them appear at the Louder Than Life Festival on October the 4th and 5th because you continue to limit yourself. You limit yourself in what you allow yourself to hear because of some stricter definition that chokes the life out of everything that you should enjoy about music. I don't know where you come up with this limitation. Do you, can you identify 400 bands that you like? I can come uh, up with 4,000 bands that I like. I call your bluff on that. I don't believe that in the least, well, let, Brian. Let me tell you how it's possible. Because I like what I like. It doesn't have to be a band. It doesn't have to fit a genre. It doesn't have to be the definition. It is whether or not it creates in me, it draws in me, it brings up these feelings that I have when I listen to metal. Let me stop you there, because I've heard you say this before, Brian, and it's a circular argument. Metal is the sound that creates in me the feeling I get when I listen to metal. Abs which is, absolutely. Is, is a that's a circular argument, of course. You start with the posit that it's metal, and then it comes back around to because it's metal. By that definition, if you're listening to, let's say, The Misfits, and you're like, I really like that song and it generates in you this feeling that you've identified, then you're like, well, that's metal. I, I want to thank you for defining for me in the perfect form what metal is for me. I don't need to think about it anymore. You've done it. And I'm only halfway being facetious. If a song generates in me the feelings that metal brings, I'm going to call it metal, irregardless of its category, irregardless of its genre, irregardless of its sound. Brian, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're defining metal as whatever generates some feeling in you. That's a, that's a ridiculous way to categorize music. And yet somehow I am okay with you feeling that. The definition of metal for me is generated within me. And if a song fits that definition, then I'll define it that way. It doesn't matter who says it's not. We can sit here and debate. I mean, that's what the great metal debate is about. What's your definition of metal? I'm not going to agree with it, but I'm certainly not going to deny you the right to feel it. 
but my, at least my definition is something that someone else can understand. No one else can have an understanding of what your definition is. Oh, so metal has to be understood according to a definition in order to be metal. I, I would say that for us to discuss what metal is, you have to have some shared understanding about what it is. And by your definition, there can be no shared understanding because it is completely subjective and individual to one person on this planet. Oh my God, you're the freaking George Orwell of metal. It's 1984 in music. If Big Brother isn't telling me what to listen to, then it's not metal. Do you realize no. how ridiculous that is? No one is telling you what to listen to. You're absolutely but, telling but, but me you're, that what you're this is metal. You basically created a definition where there's no possible way I can know until you tell me, oh, I think that's metal. God, but here it is, man. This, this is the crux of the issue, man. Metal is how we see it. Metal is how we feel it, and metal is how we experience the music. And you often question when I use the word experience, and yet I think you do experience your music. I think you experience it in a different way. I think you experience on a different level, and yet you come up with your own definition of metal, and many, many people would disagree with it, and yet because my definition is so wide and so varied and so dependent on me, you label it as inappropriate. You don't actually define it. You basically retain the right to subjectively and without any real substantive explanation claim that something is or isn't metal because you like it. I wish you would use another word instead of saying it's metal. I wish you would just say, I like it. You know, the only thing I would disagree with in that statement is substantive. Because something isn't substantive to you doesn't mean it's not that for me. By substantive, I mean that we can dialogue about it, that, that there's some substance to discuss. At base, there's no substance for us to discuss if your understanding is totally subjective. I would think this totally subjective is the discussion part of it. Your need to fit it into a certain definition is as important as my need to not put it in that category. I just want to be able to talk about it, and at root, you always hold out and say, I'm going to retain the right to make statements that I won't share with you. I mean, that's your ultimate argument, is that my understanding of metal can't be shared with anyone else. That's total misrepresentation of what I said. My understanding of metal is my understanding of metal. Because we don't use the same definitions, because we don't use the same terms, doesn't mean that mine is less valid in the fact that you can define every single aspect. I would hate to listen to music that has to fit every particular thing that I think it is. I think you miss so much metal in life that it's hard for you to call yourself metal, Gompog. Dude, I don't miss any music. I just recognize that a lot of the music isn't metal. Your definition of what metal is is not the constricting thing. I would just say, at least I have a definition to compare with someone else. Ultimately, you provide no definition. You just say, subjectively, I internally feel this way, and you have no access to that. You know, here's the access. You agree or you disagree, and the discussion is the important part of whether it's metal or not. That's not a definition to, to compare. You're not providing me anything to compare with. And you. yet, because I don't have to have the definition, 
doesn't mean that it's not part of the genre. That's the great thing about my argument. I don't it's have the, to. It's the worst criteria. thing about your argument because ultimately, it's you never showing your cards. You're never allowing other people to enter into the conversation with you. Oh, fuck that. Here's my card. It's metal or it's not. I like it or it's not. Because I don't have 52 cards to show doesn't mean that I don't have a card to show. You just defined it there. If you like it, you think it's metal. If you don't like it, you don't think it's metal. I don't think most people would find that to be a useful way to define a genre of music. That's basically you just using the term metal as a synonym for the term I like. And I think that fits for the people that believe like you do, that you have to make the definition fit. I think that for me, the other half of the people that listen to metal would say, you know what, I may disagree with him, but he has his right to what he believes. Let's toss this out to our friends on Facebook. Tell us what you think. Is Brian's definition of metal is what I like, does that work for you? Let's hear what you have to say. Hey, Brian, I wanted to ask your opinion about something. Yeah. There was a little brouhaha on Facebook about uh, the issue of what fans should expect from their band. I know where you're going with this. In particular, one of my favorite artists, Flor Jansen, on Facebook provided a long post where she responded to some criticism she had received. People saying that they weren't happy with the amount of time she'd spent with them, issues over autographs and photos, etc. I'm curious what you think about this, and especially your perspective from the 80s, about what fans should expect from bands. You know what was interesting for me about this is that that one of our Facebook uh, regulars had a different opinion about this than you did. And kind of here's the question. It's, when does a band have to think about exposure and their image versus their security, energy, and time? Floor's response to her criticism had to do with her security, her energy, her time, her comfort level. I don't think there's anything wrong with Floor Jansen saying, look, I don't like to be touched. I'll be there as much as I can. I don't have a lot of time. The Iced Earth, Sabaton, and Revamp Tour, that tour is over, and yet Revamp continues in South America. She has to be tired. She has to get up every night for this show, and I appreciate the fact that there are times when she just doesn't feel like going on. And as far as what can fans expect, I think they have to be concerned about their image. I think they have to be concerned about getting out among the fans because these are some of the most loyal fans on the planet, and without them, they're nothing. And so it's a delicate balance. I think that somehow she has to find the will to go on beyond her energy, security, and time, and yet I think that somehow we have to find a way not to expect her to be our best friend. Do you have a specific thought on this? Brian, I'll tell you, I attended the... Eister Sabaton revamp concert yes. in Columbus, Ohio, right. part of a, a large North American tour that, as you said, revamp has continued with Children of Bonham down in South America. At my show, and apparently at every one of these shows, the entire revamp band yeah. came out to the merch table after the show. I actually saw Hank, the bass player, he was going into the Chipotle as I was waiting <laughs> to get into the venue. And let me tell you, the Chipotle that's across the street from Ohio State University, yeah. that's the busiest Chipotle I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, the line was out the door for the Chipotle. So, But anyway, I I saw him going in, and then when he came out, I was like, 
yay, revamp, man. And he gave me the metal sign back yeah. and shook my hand. And I was like, are you guys going to be signing after after the show? It's like, oh, yes. Cool. It was very clear. That was an expectation that they be out there at the merch table right. after the show. Cool. I didn't see Iced Earth out there. I didn't see Sabaton out there. That's what they do. Every show, they show up, greet the fans. They're willing to have a picture taken with them, sign autographs. And yet, in a strange way, by doing that all the time and being available, I think that opens them up to even more criticism about, well, I didn't feel special or I, I didn't get extra time talking with this musician. Yes. But- I think bands are in a no-win situation, and in some ways, and unfortunately, the better thing for a band to do is not to come out afterwards because then if they happen to run into a fan, that fan feels special. Otherwise, the fan feels like, well, I'm just getting what everyone else is getting. Let's look back on my concert experience, which is predominantly from the 80s. I have never been to a show where the band comes out afterwards and sits at a merch table and signs autographs. Any band that does that in any way, shape, or form has my respect. And while I understand people expect that from the bands that are able to do that, I also think that it's sometimes a mistake to expect that very thing. There are just times in life for people in general when they can't socialize, let alone for bands that have you know, hundreds or maybe thousands of fans expecting them to come out and be their best buddy. We would like to think that they come out and they recognize us and we're special to them, but the fact of the matter is that they meet hundreds of people each night. And the very fact that they're willing to come out and meet hundreds of people each night is a credit to them above and beyond the call of duty. We can't expect it from them. We appreciate it from them, though. Brian, part of the dynamic here is, and I, for once, appreciate your perspective from the 80s. When you went to a concert in the 80s and you stood in an arena or smaller hall, the assumption was that, I don't know, half the people there had bought the album of that band. Right. Is that probably true? I don't think that's accurate. You go to a concert now, how many people do you think purchased the album? I would say... You think 10%? Yeah, exactly. Maybe. The vast majority have listened to the music online and paid zero. And because of that, the bands have received zero benefit. I disagree with that. It's kind of like the movies. Movies make most of their money from the concessions. Bands make most of their money from the touring and the merch table. Uh, so, you know, expecting to make millions and millions from records and albums and DVDs and cassette tapes just isn't an, a realistic concern anymore. Holy shit, I just proved your argument, didn't I? Yes. I mean, I haven't ever paid for the meet and greet, yeah. but I totally understand and appreciate bands who offer that as something because most of the quote, fans, and I'll make the argument, hardcore fans buy the music. Right. But the majority of people of the show did not pay to listen to the music. I think it's accurate, yeah. So for the band to provide as a another sales option to meet the band, to get an autograph, get a picture for an extra $50, I think it's a reasonable thing. What can we reasonably expect as fans? I think that we can hope for the best and expect nothing. I think that's a realistic expectation when you go into any concert, whether it be 
megastar, minor star, 80s, 2010s. I'm going to disagree with you, Brian, and I'm, I'm going to limit surprise. my res- and I'm going to limit my response to the modern era, the post-internet era. I'm going to make the claim that if I bought the album and I'm hanging around after the show with the CD in my hand, I think a band member should sign my CD because I laid down $15 that most of the people who were in that venue didn't. Wow. I'm going to say that's a well-thought-out, intelligent comment there, Gonfog. If you could produce the CD and prove that you paid for it, maybe you do deserve a little extra. I, I don't mind that argument at all. That's kind of how I feel about it, I, and that's how I go to concerts now, with the CD liner there in my pocket. And if, if I have time afterwards, I'm going to hang around afterwards, I'm going to be like, hey, man, I came to your show, you know, I paid money for that, which that's fine, yeah. but I also bought your music, which a lot of these people didn't do. Give me 20 seconds to sign this for me. I think it's a fair request. Let me throw in a side question here. Have you found that most bands honor that expenditure? Yeah, I mean, part of my issue with the critique of Floor is she had it down like a machine. I mean, I pulled out my CD liner. Okay, I'm glad you said the revamp CD album. I'm glad you said CD liner there. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I pulled out my CD liner, and they were like a machine, the band was. I mean, revamp, they just you know went through and signed it in a certain order on a certain page. I ran into the guys in Sabaton yeah. about five hours before the show, you know, yeah. just walking down the street. Right. And it was like, hey, Yoakum, you mind signing my CD? He was more than happy to do that. Oh, um, dude, you got them to sign, too. I didn't know that. My experience has been that they are very happy to do that. I guess my point is I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. And, and I would say for the most part, metal greats, metal bands, We're metal fans to begin with. They understand that. Well, Brian, we have run out of time, so we will have to pick up the discussion on the next Great Metal Debate. Thanks to our fans who have taken the time to stream or download to listen in. Check out our other podcasts, our musician interviews, and fan casts. Until we talk to you again, keep those horns up.